The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. All right, well, we have been in a series called The More Excellent Way, and it's a title of a book as well that Pastor Scott has written, a devotional book. There's still some more on the back table. Encourage you to get one. It's an awesome uh, devotional book for you to use at home. So there's a few more back there, and we'll be ordering more when we run out. So those are on the back table as you leave, and we are proud of Pastor Scott for that book. Um, Yay! So what I would like is if you would open up your Bibles, I love the Word of God. We're going to start off um, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, the last verse. And our series has been about this. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the more excellent way. And the more excellent way is all about love. This chapter that we've been looking at, chapter 13, is a chapter of love. It's typically used at weddings, but it was never written and intended for weddings. It is to the church, the body of Christ in Corinth, and Corinth is a lot like the way our society and our world is today, in need of knowing the love of God. And so these chapters, chapters 12, chapter 14, chapter 13 in the middle on love, chapter 12 and 14 are all about spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, but remember the more excellent way is love. Gifts are containers that carry the love of God. And without the love of God, they're just containers. The gifts are nothing. So um, we have actually gone through the whole chapter 13. If you'll go there, we have gone through all of 13 over the last few weeks. And when we looked at the first part of chapter 13 about speaking in tongues, about having the gift of prophecy and having faith that moves mountains, we saw that it's nothing, absolutely nothing without without love, that it was a noise, that we were nothing, that we gained nothing with those gifts without love. And then in verses 4 through 7, these are all the qualities, the acts of love, The qualities of God's love towards us, the qualities of this love, the way we as believers should live, filled with God's love. Love is patient, love is kind. And so we looked at those. We looked in that part, that's where we talked about love keeps no record of wrong. Love forgives. Loved the the part about that we don't keep an invoice anymore on what someone owes us. We tear that invoice up. Um, We also looked at that we live in a culture of honor where we honor everyone because that's what God does. We also looked at, um, I'll never forget Bill Wallman sharing about the woman caught in the act of adultery that the same finger of God that wrote on the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery, wrote in the sand and erased her love and forgave her and sent her on with sin no more. This is love lived out, and this releases the kingdom of heaven in our lives when we live out that love. And then the last part of this this 
chapter is on the permanence of love. Last week we talked about everything changes, but God changes not. Beautiful song that Richard has written for us called Constant One that we sang this morning. Awesome, beautiful words. Um, Beautiful truth of who God is. Um, Love never fails. Love endures and lasts forever. Love is eternal. And so that brings us to the scripture that I'm to use today, which is verse 13. So if you'll look at chapter 13, verse 13, it says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Remain. What does remain mean? It means to abide. It means to last forever. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. They should be what our lives are about. They should be the pursuit of our lives. Not the miracles, not the power, not the gifts, not the wealth, not the fame, not the comfortable life, but a life that's marked with faith, hope, and love. So we ask ourselves, I ask myself as I'm preparing this, because really, for me, a message It's just really what God's speaking to me, and then I share it with you. I ask myself, what is my life focused on? Do I share the same priority list that God says? These three remain. These three remain. This is eternal, faith, hope, and love. I want you to consider what eternity is. I have a little um, visual there of a timeline that marks etern- that shows us what eternity is. And then if you look up the definition of eternity, dictionary.com, says this, infinite time, a duration without a beginning or an end. It's eternal existence, especially as, as contrasted with our mortal, mortal life. And that dot right there, that dot reflects our lives. And so I want to talk to you today about what we do with our dot. I know many times we might say, I've been sitting in line and it seems like eternity. I can't wait anymore. That's not eternity. But let's think about in light of eternity, how do we spend our lives? So what we're going to do is we're going to break down the three things, faith, hope, and love. And why love is greatest. And this might be a refresher course for you. You may already know all of this, but it doesn't hurt sometimes to revisit the basic principles of our faith. So faith, what is faith? Faith is the assurance and the conviction and the belief. What you believe. What do you have faith in? And we know that as believers, we walk by faith and not by sight. And that challenges me because many times I'm walking exactly by sight, by what I see. But faith is the conviction and the belief in God. The word says in Hebrews 11.1, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we have to have faith. And our faith is that he exists, that he is, and that as we seek him, as we ask him, he hears us and he rewards us with his presence, with his manifestations, and he answers our cries. I want to use um, as an illustration someone that 
most of us probably know about, but maybe you don't. Um, especially, they say that the younger generations don't necessarily know about this um, saint of the faith, Corey Tenboom. Corey Tenboom um, was raised in a Dutch Christian family in Holland during the Holocaust. She was 50 years old, still living with her family. They were watchmakers. So when I say she's still living with her family, she's 50 years old. So she's an older woman, um, not a young daughter. Um, they hid Jews in their home to protect them from being captured and being thrown into the, um, to the camps. In 1944, they, the, the invasion started in 1940. In 1944, the family was betrayed by an informant. And all of the family were was taken off into a concentration camp. Um, everyone died except for Betsy and Corey were together. They are the two sisters, and they were in the same camp together. Um, and Betsy died later that year. Um, Corey lit, was released from the camp one week because of a clerical error, one week prior to all the women being executed in that camp. Um, but what I want to talk about is the faith that she had, the faith that she and her sister had. Um, it says that while they were in the camp, they had a, she had a Bible, a sweater, and a, bottle, and a vial of liquid vitamins. And her sister was very sickly. She used the vitamins for her sister and for all the other women that were ill, maybe some that were carrying babies, and that that vial didn't dry up for the longest time. It was like a bottle of oil that the Lord just kept replenishing. It was miracle after miracle that they saw in the concentration camp. They did Bible studies with that Bible that they had smuggled in, and it seemed like as if the guards didn't even realize that they were holding Bible studies. It was like it was undercover by God. They also, she and her sister, gave thanks for the fleas the flea infestation that they had. Because with the flea infestation, that was why the guards didn't want to go in there where they were having the Bible studies. And all I think about is like this morning while we're sitting there singing, we will not be shaken, we will not be shaken. She had that faith that she was not going to be shaken. But she was sitting in a concentration camp and I'm sitting here in an air-conditioned room on a cushioned pew. What does it mean that we will not be shaken? What is that kind of faith? There's a quote up here that's from her, and it says, Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. This is how Corey Ten Boom lived her dot. This is how Corey Ten Boom lived her dot while she was in the camp, but also for the rest of her life. She lived to be 93 years old, and she was a great minister of the faith. And I'll talk about her later on. But also what I want us to talk about too is how faith works. We have faith, but faith works by something. The word says this, faith works by love. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't have faith, we got to be people, people of the faith and people of love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What is love when we're talking about faith working by love? This is a love that is more interested in other people than interested in yourself. When we're interested, we're not so self-absorbed and we're interested in others, heaven is opened up to all of us. 
We don't have to be selfish. We need to be generous with heaven, with love. We need to love our neighbor as ourself. And you cannot love until you love yourself. Until you've received the love of God for yourself, the forgiveness, forgiveness of God for yourself, and so that you can extend God's forgiveness. Marriages falter today, probably a lot of it because we have two people who didn't even love themselves trying to love each other. It begins with loving yourself. The roadblock is that we don't know how to love many times and we haven't gotten past ourselves. We cannot pick and choose faith or love. It's both. We cannot walk in love without faith and we cannot walk in faith without love. Let your dot be about faith working by love. Hope. Let's talk about hope. What is hope? It's a confident expectation. Absolute confidence. No matter what comes against you, you are confidently expecting what? That God's word is true. That God is true. That God is the constant one. That he never changes Hebrews 6.19 says this, we have this hope as an anchor, an anchor for our soul that's firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. We are confident that Jesus has gone before us, that Jesus is our salvation. Jesus has taken on our judgment. There is no more fear. There's no more anxiety on what's to come because we are confident in what Jesus has done for us. That's a word, that's, that's the hope that this world needs to hear. Let's look at Romans 4, um, verses 18 through 20. And this is talking about Abraham. But Abraham is an example to us of a New Testament believer walking in faith. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so he became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So against all hope, that means it looked like there was no hope. He had hope because he believed God's word. He did not waver. He did not weaken. He was strengthened because of hope. And that's a word for us today. What's coming against you? What do you know that the Lord has said to you? Where is your hope? I know for me, um, look at John chapter 11. Our hope. Eleven verses twenty five and twenty six. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Don't be confused. If you're confused, don't be confused about that. <laughs> believe in him. Even though you die, you will live. And my father recently passed away in January. And I know that I held on to that unwavering hope that what God had said is true. 
I was able to declare over my family, over my father, over my, my parents, my family, that Jesus had gone to prepare a place for him. And if it were not true, he would not have told us that. And so my broken heart was filled with hope while it was broken. There's a quote by William Barclay. He um, has written a lot of commentaries, and I like this about hope. Hope is not simply trembling, hesitant hope that perhaps the promises of God may be true. It is a confident expectation that they cannot be anything else than true. How confident are we in the promises of God and what God has spoken over you? So that's faith and that's hope. Why is love the greatest? God is love. Love comes from God. Love is God. When we stand before the Lord face to face, will we need faith? Will we need hope? But we will encounter love in a greater measure, and our love will always grow. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine all that God has planned for those who love him. Love is the greatest because love is God. Again, <laughs> when my father passed away, it was like two weeks, it seemed like that every day we thought he was dying. But every day, because he was still awake during all of that, he would say, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we were not people like a family that said, I love you very much growing up. But that's all he wanted to tell me. I didn't need to know anything else, but I love you. Love is eternal. The last words of someone are very important, aren't they? Let's look at the last words of Jesus in John 13. Here's where we find ourselves. Jesus is sharing his last meal with his disciples. They're in the upper room. Judas has partaken of, the, of his bread. He's been identified and he's departed. And we're looking at John 13, verses 34 and 35. Or actually 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I'm going to tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus is leaving, and after he leaves, he says, this is what's going to keep you together. It's going to be your love for one another. This is going to be, when differences arise, love each other. You're not going to have me anymore, but, you're gonna, but as believers in the, on, on this side of the cross, we have Jesus in us. We don't have Jesus, but we have each other because we have Jesus in us and we have each other. Love is going to be what holds you together. Love each other as you have been loved. 
How had the disciples been loved? As they hear this, they're thinking, well, have we been loved? Oh my gosh, can you imagine being a disciple and walking with Jesus for those three years and what it must have been like to have been loved by him, to walk with him, to be loved by him, to, to have him take you and show you and do things with you and the miracles and everything that they saw, the love, they walked with God. Oh my gosh, how amazing that must have been. He loved them so much. They were like, where else are we going to go? Maybe we ask ourselves today, how much have we been loved by God? Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. God's love is unconditional. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to run away from God's presence. But the commandment is conditional. It's conditional on you partaking in it. Love each other. Jesus says, love as you have been loved, and then the world's going to know that you're my disciples. The world's going to know me. This is going to be your mark. This, was, this is going to be your distinguishing mark is your love for one another. I don't care what all the gifts are that you have. If you don't have love, it's nothing. It's the way we treat each other. Do you know in this day and age, sometimes I think that the world knows more of what we're against than what we're for. We did this as a Bible study, um, the young adult Bible study class that we have here. We did this as a Bible study where we spent a long time looking at this verse and looking at this challenge. And we, en we ended this with this question to ourselves. What does love require of me? If I'm going to love people, if I'm going to love people the way I've been loved, when I walk out into this world, what is that going to look like? Well, you know what? How do we know what it looks like? We look at the way Jesus loved. That's what Jesus said to them. Remember how I've loved you? This is how you're to love. So we look at how Jesus has loved us. We look at how we see that Jesus has expressed love, how he deals with people, and that's the way we love. Remember the woman thrown at his feet? How did he love her? The woman at the well hiding out in shame? How did he love her? The blind man crying out on the side of the road and everybody was telling him, shut up, quit crying out to Jesus. How did Jesus react to that man. He was healed. The man in the cemetery who was nuts, he was covered in chains and shackles, cutting himself, howling like a dog. What did Jesus do to him? He set him free. He set him free and he told him, don't follow me anymore. Go home and tell your family. What did he do with the sick? How did Jesus approach the hurting? How did Jesus approach the demon possessed, the dying, the lost people, the sinners? How did he? That's the way we are to love. Remember what he's done for you and go and love like that. What does love require of us? Well, the disciples really couldn't put all this together until they gathered back, most likely in that same room, um, the upper room where they had their last meal with Jesus. That's probably the same room that they gathered after Jesus had been crucified, after Jesus rose from the dead, and after Jesus had ascended to heaven. Because he said, go and wait. Because you're going to receive the Holy, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to receive power, and you're going to be my witnesses. Well, how are you going to be a witness? Because you're going to be a witness by your love. So that's 
what the Holy Spirit is for. To give us power and give us, make us the ability to be witnesses. Witnesses through his love. So it says that they were gathered possibly in that same place. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I gather in the same place where something else has occurred, I go back and I think about it. So maybe they were thinking about love for one another. This is how you're going to know who we are. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force wind. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. And then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. And they started speaking in tongues, speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. From this day forward, the disciples were bold beyond bold. They had compassion beyond compassion. They walked in power. They walked in authority. They began healing. They, they had been, but they were doing it on a whole different level. Healing, casting out demons. They went to make disciples. There were 3,000 that came to Jesus that day. 3,000. They were a revolution without weapons because they took Jesus up on his commandment. Love. Love like you have experienced love. When we love like this, the resources of heaven are open for us. Love is the key that unlocks the kingdom of heaven in our life. We are to be the echo of heaven. Let our language echo what we hear from the Lord. That's what Jesus did. I only say what my Father says, and I only do what my Father says do, and that's what we're to do. We are to be his echo. Corey Ten Boom began a ministry after she was released, and she's written a book and um, lots of books, and she's just a great, like I said, sister in the faith, saint. There's a couple of quotes that are um, attributed to her, many, but these for today. There is no pit that God is not deeper still. There is no pit for any of us that God is not deeper still. That his love is not for us. It's no, you have no pit that is too deep for God. God gives us the love to forgive our enemies. Jesus always wins the final victory. And then she came face to face with the enemy of her soul. And the question possibly was posed to her, what does love require of you? Because she came face to face as she was ministering in a church in Munich, Germany. She came face to face with the security guard who had stood guard at her shower and at the processing center of the, of the concentration camp that she and her sister were in. And it goes on to say that suddenly it was like it was all there again. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, my sister dying. And he came up to me as the church was empty and much like today. And he said, how grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake hers. And, it, and she goes on to say, this is in her person. And I, who had preached so often to the people the need to forgive, I kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man, and was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And again, I breathed the silent prayer. Jesus, I prayed, I cannot forgive him. Give me 
your forgiveness. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger. It almost overwhelmed me. And I discovered that it's not on my forgiveness or my goodness that the world's healing hinges, but it's on God's. When he tells us to love our enemy, he gives us, along with the command, love itself. How many times are we keeping our hand in our pocket and we need to extend that hand and trust that God's love is what we're extending? What did love require of her that day? It required for her to be obedient to the command that says, the new commandment I give you, love one another. Love your enemies. It's easy to love the ones we like. Love your enemies. Love the ones that get on your every last nerve. Love the ones that are hard to love. That's when we give off Jesus. Okay, so this is for me, like we did this Bible study last fall and then went into the, after, right in January. And so I'm constantly thinking about this question. What does love require of me? Literally, I'd walk, I've got a sign in my house Melinda gave me. What does love require of me? It's on my mantle. And I look at that and I walk out like into what I'm getting ready to do next. I'm consumed with thinking about it. And it was January 10th and it was a Monday night and Clemson was playing Alabama for the national football um, title college football title. And I mean, I don't really watch football, but I was watching that game because it's always good to watch that, the ending game. And it was the most, anybody here watch it? You missed it. It was the most exciting game. It was the most exciting game because Alabama always wins. And anyway, it was so exciting. So what happened is Clemson was behind the whole game until the fourth quarter. There were three lead changes in the last five minutes of the game. It was the wildest ending They could have kicked a field goal, and they didn't kick a field goal. It was six seconds left, and they went for a touchdown and won the game. I mean, I'm like this. I'm home alone, just like this. And then, can we show that video clip? This comes on the TV, because, I mean, this is right after it. a football game by love. No, seriously, who wins a football game by love? I mean, all coaches have the believe philosophy kind of thing, but when you read about Dabo Sweeney and what kind of man he is, he's a man of faith. He is a man of great faith. He has his kids going to Bible study. I mean, he lives out a 
His dot is marked with faith, hope, and love. Now, this is um, my friend Josh Wood, and he um, is, is a dear friend of mine. On Friday morning at Dare Challenge, we were talking about this. We were talking about the fact that when we are thankful for what God has done for us, the things that God has done, they point to who God is and his nature. And so, of course, I'm thinking about this message this weekend, and um, Josh, I asked Josh, I was like, what has the Lord done for you? And what does that tell you about God's nature? So, Good morning, church. Indy Sweet. Thank you, Miss Cat. I call her Miss Cat. That's what the guys at Dare Challenge call her. And we love you and Glenn. See you over there, bud. Um, so uh, Friday mornings, we always look forward to Miss Cat coming. Um, and she just she brought up something about you know, like what does love require of you? And you know, for me personally, um, I know. When I think about God, I think about love. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, you know, to sum things up in a short little summary here, I grew up in church. Um, I know that God loved me because I was birthed from a mother who loved God and a father who loved God. All my relatives on both sides were God-fearing people. And that's a blessing. Some people don't get that lucky, but I did, and that's because God loved me. Now, saying that to say this, the devil knew how much love I had in my heart that God brought me to this world for. And so I suffered, and I was chained in bondage for years and years because he was trying to keep that down. He didn't want that to get loose. Well, who knows that our God is a chain breaker? Yeah. Well, coming to Dare Challenge, he, I was just, I was so ready because I knew that was, he was going to break those chains because he loves me. And since coming to Dare Challenge, man, like I have no hate for anyone, anything in my heart. My heart is nothing but love. And it's because of the God that I serve. And, you know, Joel, my brother over here who I love dearly, he can tell you, they call me Cupid at the house. Oh, they, you did not tell me that. That's yeah, it's sweet. it's like a little inside joke. But hey, I, I'm not mad about it. I'll take it. Um, but you know, I, God is love. God, I mean, if, if God didn't love each and every one of us, he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus as a sacrifice so that we could see him one day face to face. You know, I mean, he loves us. I mean, he, he gave us this church here because he loves us and he wants us to fellowship with one another and that's you know that's love and I mean so my mission is to spread love in every way that I can you know whether it be just encouragement whether it be through prayer whether it be through testimony whether it be through singing worship songs whatever I mean you know Cupid so I just give God the glory because God, I mean, like you said, love is important. And if you can't, if you don't have love in your heart, then I, I don't believe that, you know, you have God in your heart. Mm -hmm. Because, that's right. I mean, that's, that's just the truth to me. So, thank praise you. God. Yes, yeah. yeah, thank you. He took out a heart of stone and he gave Josh a heart of flesh. Well, if I can get the worship team... 
to come on up here and uh, the prayer team to get ready to come up here um, or to come on up here. Um, I want us to take a look at 1 Corinthians 13 and as we wrap this up, and I want us to do a little exercise together. Go to verse 4. We've heard this it's during the series that love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast. And we can fill in the blanks and say, that is Jesus, that is God. Jesus is patient, God is kind, God does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonor others, etc. But we also have been told that we should put our name in there. And I can go, Catherine is patient, Catherine is kind, Catherine does not envy, Catherine does not boast. And I can get heaped with a ton of condemnation because that's not me. But here's what I can do. I can say, Catherine, yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, is patient. Catherine, yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, is kind. And so I want you to do that with me for just a second. Just look at that and go, your name. Yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, is patient. Catherine, yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, is kind. Catherine, yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. Catherine, yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, is not rude. Scott, yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, is not self-seeking. Lynn, yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, is not easily angered. Josh, Cupid, yielded to and filled with the Holy Spirit, keeps no record of wrong. You get the point. Oh, about maybe, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, I guess um, my kids were all young. Mac was in preschool. Mallory was, I don't know, high school. Aaron was in middle school. Anyways, crazy mess trying to get them ready for school in the morning. I had my Jesus time in the morning, and I was good. Jesus and me are great together alone. But before breakfast was over and before I got my kids to school, I'd lost all my marbles. I mean, truly, like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I mean, because I, and, and, and at that point, um, I was at another church and John Hobbs came for a revival. And he preached on being filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached on being baptized by the Holy Spirit, knowing Jesus at the, as the baptizer. And the word says this, how much more will our heavenly father give us the Holy Spirit to him who asks? If, if you as an earthly father are gonna give your children what they've asked for, you're not gonna give them a stone if they've asked for an egg, or you're not going to give them a snake if they've asked for a fish, how much more is the Father going to give you? And so I took the Lord up on that. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But I know one thing. I knelt at the altar, and I, I appreciate John Hobbs' testimony so much. His, his life with his children, his life and his hunger for the Lord. And I don't know what happened to me that night, but I know this. I received a love in my heart that was way different than what I'd ever received. I have a hunger that never stops. I have a conviction to keep going when I fall down, and I do fall down. I have a passion for the Word and for people to know God, to make an eternal difference in people's lives. I can, my kids are all grown, I don't have to get them to school anymore, but you would lose your marbles too if you tried to get them to school because Mac was a lot of time was hiding in the dryer. Um, I had to drag him to school from preschool till he graduated from high school, and I wanted to walk across that stage and get the diploma. Um, 
But we're not here today to hear about the love of God. We are here today to walk out that door and be the love of God. Just imagine this, where you are right now, where are you strategically placed? Where do you work? Where's your family? Where do you go? You are strategically placed to be a revolution. Without weapons, you are strategically placed. Do you need to know Jesus First and foremost, to have that love of God shed abroad in your heart. Do you need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Today's your day. This is where the prayer team can come on up. Do you need to receive that baptism, baptism of love so that you cannot lose your marbles when, when you go through the drive-thru of somewhere and you're waiting for eternity? Do you need to return to your first love? You want your dot to be marked by faith, hope, and love, and you're ready to say, I'm not sure how to do it, but I want to do it. Come on up here this morning and pray. Pray with somebody. Pray alone. But let your life be marked by love. When you leave here today, what does love require of you? Do business with the Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love that you have pursued us that you have given us new life in Christ when we submit our lives to you, that you make something new out of what's old and the dead is gone. We thank you, Father, for hope. We thank you, Father, for hope that can get us through no matter what we go through, for faith that you are true, that you are right, that you are faithful. And we just thank you, Lord, for your love. And may we be Jesus to other people today and the rest of our lives. And may our dot forever be marked by faith, hope, and love. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.